All right, welcome back to Forgotten Lakers. We're here tonight with Tony Bobbitt. Tony played with the Lakers in the 2004-2005 season. Uh, how's everything going for you tonight, Tony? Man, everything's been great. You know, uh, just uh, got back from my son's basketball game, which they got beat by uh, like almost 40 points. Oh, no. <laughs> How old is he? <laughs> He's a sophomore in high school. Oh. <laughs> uh, what position does he play? He plays the shooting guard position. Oh, okay, cool. Is he wearing number 15? Mm, uh, no, actually, he's 13. Ah, 13, okay. Um, so one of the first questions I like to ask when I get a chance to talk to a former Laker, uh, you know, how did you get into basketball? When did you start playing? And uh, when did you realize that you had a real real future in it? I got into basketball, actually, my mom. Uh, she dropped me off at the uh, the recreation center. It was called Cypress Rec in mm-hmm. Daytona Beach, Florida. And uh, my first basketball coach, his name was uh, Fred Lee. And mm-hmm. I still keep in contact with him to this day. And uh, I was I, I was six years old. Uh, and I always, since a youngster, I always played with the big kids anyway. You know, growing up, I was a little, little skinny little kid that didn't have no weight on him. But I had one good thing with me. I could shoot the ball. So as I got older and... Uh, my dad saw something in me that, you know, he, you know, he, he thought that was something special. So he started, you know, you know, invested in me and, uh, you know, sending me to camps. And, and once I went to my first Adidas camp, my ninth grade year in uh, Jersey, uh, I came back in high school, my ninth grade, the summer, going into my 10th grade year. And my dad and my high school coach, you know, they were, you know, they saw a huge change in my game. And uh, that's when I realized I had a future. I would say my ninth grade, tenth grade year, I realized I, I had a future because uh, my high school teammate, you know, Vince Carter. Yeah. He, you know, once I saw him do what he did in high school, I wanted to do that also, and I wanted to be good at it. So mm-hmm. I would say, I would say, when I was a freshman and sophomore, that's when I realized that I could be great at it. Yeah, I read. I can, I was trying to figure out. I like read some conflicting things online that you like played with Vince Carter, but that he was older than you. But were y'all ever on the mainland team at the at the same time? Right. Yes. Do you have any good Vince Carter stories from high school that you know maybe a lot of people haven't heard before? Like any crazy moves? Yeah. Crazy um, games? To me, to me, my story is not about a game. My story is just the preparation of the game. Uh, how cars would be lined up all the way down by the hospital trying to get to our high school game because they wanted to see Vince. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear a lot of people say, you know, now that I do a little couple things with the NBA Players Association now, I get a chance to, you know, watch these young boys. And uh, I I see the kid Zion Williamson and I see the way he dunked the ball. And I see LeBron in high school when I was playing at the University of Cincinnati. I would, I would drive down to Akron mm-hmm. to watch LeBron play. And uh, I never in my life seen somebody dunk a basketball like this car. I've really? never seen that. I, I, I haven't. I've never I've never seen it. Some people live Vince at six six. I think Vince is six five. And mm-hmm. the way he jumped, I mean it was it was insane. So one of my favorite stories were, you know, you could buy a a six dollar ticket to watch him play, but go in the parking lot and sell that ticket to a local guy for like a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. And that that those was just facts. So that, that would be my Vince Carter story. Yeah. Uh, very cool. Thanks for sharing. So after graduating from Mainland High School, 
I know you initially played junior college ball at the College of Southern Idaho. How did you end up in right. uh, Southern Idaho from out of, coming out of Daytona Beach, Florida? Well, I had I was a knucklehead, and uh, I made some bad choices, so I didn't uh, do what I was supposed to do. And mm-hmm. then uh, a, a recruiter by the name of Jerry Syriac flew down to my hometown, Daytona Beach, and he came to my house. And he told my dad, you know, about the program. And we were like, I've never heard of Idaho. I've never, I've never, I don't even know where Idaho is on the map, right? Yeah. And my dad, you know, and my dad, my dad is a pastor, you know, and he, and he, and he owns his own construction company. So I grew up with a father that was a hardworking man, you know, and he just wanted to make sure his kids, you know, had the best life, you know, that he could, he could provide, which he did. And when Jay Syria came, he, you know, he, he, he didn't, one thing we, uh, the reason why my dad fell in love with Jay was because Jay didn't promise my dad anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay just, Jay told my dad, if Tony buys into the system, Tony has a chance to go off and, you know, make some money in the end. And when I got out here to Idaho, I got out to Southern Idaho and I realized that, you know, the tradition of the program and a lot of people don't know about, you know, CSI in Southern Idaho. Well, I would say this right now, live on the radio and on the podcast, like uh, we have the number one junior college program in the country almost every year. Mm. We, we have Eddie Sutton was our first junior college basketball coach. Mm-hmm. Eddie Sutton, the legendary Eddie, Eddie Sutton. We yep. are the most winningest. We have more wins and more national championships than any other junior college in the country as of today. Wow. As of today, as I speak, we have more wins and more junior college national championship than anybody in the country. So mm-hmm. when I got out here and uh, I became, I was a freshman and I started, I became a first team all American as a freshman. So I was there for two years and uh, I played well, you know, I won two national junior college championships at CSI. And then uh, that's when, you know, I was ranked. I was the number one shooting guard in the country at that time. And, uh, Coach Bob Huggins from Cincinnati came in and offered me a scholarship because I was going to go back to Florida State and play for uh, the, the assistant coach there right now down at North Carolina. I was going to go play for him because he was the head coach at Florida State. I'd rather go play for Coach Huggins because I wanted that exposure and I wanted, you know, I needed that discipline at that time in my life. And I went off to Cincinnati to have a great career. Yeah, definitely. So what are your best memories of playing for Bob Huggins in Cincinnati? Cincinnati, Did y'all have any oh, uh, big tournament oh, runs? We'll be, we'll be here all day talking about Bob, man. You know, I, I talk to my college coach at least. I, th- I try to talk to my college coach at least, you know, twice a month. And uh, not only did my dad change my life, but Coach Huggins changed my life too. I mean, you know, one, one of the best stories that I can, you know, re- remember from Coach Huggins is um, kicking us out of practice, bringing us back, kicking us out again, bringing us back. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how other people look at my coach, but I look at my coach as a a God-given man. And, you know, he he just demanded excellence and he demanded that you do it his way. And if you didn't want to do it his way, then, you know, it was the highway. And we all bought into the system. I think that's one of the reasons why we all call him and keep in touch with him. I think that's one of the reasons why before we end the conversation on the phone, we always say, you know, I love you, coach, because I, I truly love my coach. I, I think Coach Bob Huggins is a Hall of Fame coach. I think what he's done for the program of Cincinnati University, I think, you know, it was outstanding. Mm-hmm. And what he's doing at the University of West Virginia, 
and what he what he did for me, and you know the way he prepared me to become a pro, and to teach me how to guard and to teach me to give me that confidence. And I've already had the confidence, but he gave me that that swagger to to always think that when I step on the floor that I'm one of the best guys out there. So I really appreciated Coach Huggins for that. So you're there for two years, enter the 2004 NBA draft. And then when I was doing a lot of uh, research for this episode, I was reading that you were initially expected to you know, possibly be a late first round, early second round pick, but that you ended up going undrafted. Uh, so what was that draft right. night? What was that draft night for you? Like, you know, once the end of the first round comes and through the second round, when you were initially expected to, you know, be selected, what was that night like for you? Hey, you know what? To be honest, I could tell you exactly where I was and I could tell you exactly what I was doing. We really wasn't, you know, me and the family, man, we wasn't, and I know this is shocking to say, but we wasn't bothered about it. Like, mm-hmm. my dad, like I said, my dad is a pastor, man. He, he prayed on it. And, you know, my dad called it. My dad said, well, Tony, you going to go to the Lakers. I said, <laughs> yeah, right. And, he called it, though. I mean, I tell people a lot of times, and they don't believe me, but my dad called it. My dad said, Mitch Kupchak or Jerry Buss is going to call your agent, and you're going to get a shot to go to summer league. You're going to mm-hmm. get a shot, son, so just stay positive. And that's what I did. Wow. I stayed positive, and, you know, I went off to, you know, I got the call from the Lakers, and I went off to summer league, and I tore summer league up, man, I remember. Mm-hmm. And, you know, next thing I know, I was in training camp, vet, vet camp, and I tore that up, and next thing you know, I was playing with the Lakers. <laughs> yeah, so that draft process before you got selected by the Lakers, uh, had you worked out for them, and what other teams had you worked out for? I worked out for the Lakers, Houston, uh, Detroit. My hardest workout I've ever done, I worked out for Portland. My hardest workout I've done, and I tell people to this day, when Isaiah Thomas was in New York. Really? That was the first time that I ever played. That was the first time in my life I've ever played one-on-one whole court. Oh, my gosh. Who did you play? Uh, I was playing against a a kid. I think he was from Europe. Mm -hmm. And we were playing on the side goals, the side rims. And, you know, that was kind of hard. So that that year, that 2004-2005 season, was really a unique season in Lakers history. You know, it was the the first year post-Shaq. Like, Shaq had been traded in the offseason to Miami. Uh, Phil Jackson took a one-year break. They bring in Rudy Tomjanovich. My guy. Yeah, oh, yeah. Was he involved in uh, oh, yeah. getting you signed? Oh, yeah. Rudy, he let me play my game. and He let me show him my game. And he actually liked me. And I was surprised, you know. I don't know. I, didn't, I was new to that. You know, I was new to, you know, that NBA world. So, yeah, Rudy. Rudy is, you know, one of my fans. He, uh, he's one of my favorite coaches also. Yeah, like I was saying, you get uh, one of the more unique seasons in Lakers history. And I, I talked to T.R. Brown about this a little bit, too. Um, you guys – Basically playing, you know, 500 ball, maybe even a little above 500 ball for most of the season. That year in March, the Lakers had a big road trip. I remember you're about holding on to that seventh, eighth spot on a big road trip. You win the first two games. You win one in Dallas. You win one in Charlotte. Kobe, yeah. Kobe hit a game winner in Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. Kobe hit. I remember that game. Uh, yeah. So y'all win the first two games of that road trip. And then it seemed like everything just unraveled. It was kind of like a nosedive towards the end of the season and you felt way out of the playoff picture. Um, so what do you think kind of happened towards the end of the year for the Lakers that year where, you know, everything just more or less fell apart? I just honestly, and, you know, I, me personally as a young guy, I, I, I didn't know the business side of it and I didn't know, you know, the politics in it. But I just kind of think that, you know, the Lakers just wanted to 
you know, rebuild that program. And Kobe was, you know, he was, he was content with what was going on. And he knew that eventually because because of the way he worked and his work ethic that they would, you know, get some more great players and that's who win. And, you know, it is what it is. So that's just my opinion on it. But yep. Kobe, but I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this, man. And I, and I'll say this to the world. Kobe Bryant is one of my, one of my, one of my good friends. And I, I, I just saw Kobe a year ago down in Utah and, you know, two years ago down in Utah. And, you know, he, I, I was able to introduce my son to him and I was able to talk to him for like an hour. And I've never been around a human being with that such work ethic. I mean, wow. I mean, <laughs> you, 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 nobody can take anything away from Jelly Bean, man. Jelly Bean was, he's the man. He rocks. So <laughs> that's my uh, opinion. Talking about his work ethic, Derek, do any particular memories stick out for you from your season in LA about his work ethic? Of course, Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant would be in the gym at five in the morning, and practice doesn't start till eleven. So you tell me. <laughs> yeah. You tell me. You tell me now. <laughs> now I'm trying to figure this out. Practice doesn't start till eleven, but he's in the gym at five a.m. every morning for twenty years straight. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's 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 the reason why. There's the reason why he got five championships. You know, eighteen All Stars. You know, Olympic. He's an Olympian. I mean. He's a Hall of Famer, man. You know, they need to re- they what they need to do though. They need to reclassify that top fifty mm-hmm. all time, and Kobe got to go in there. Like, oh straight yeah, up. yeah, Kobe, sure. no doubt about they, it. Kobe, top three though, like mm-hmm. Kobe, it's, my three is Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. Anybody mm-hmm. after those three, then that's just up to them. But I can always tell my family, my friends. You know, I've had the pleasure to play with Kobe Bryant, and it was amazing. So moving on to the rest of your career, I know that was your one season in L.A. and your uh, you won regular season in the NBA total. Did you get into any other training camps in the NBA with other teams? Yeah, I got in with Seattle. Uh, that was, you know, that wasn't a good deal because they were getting ready to merge over to Oklahoma. You know, so mm-hmm. nobody knew anything. So that's when I just went over to Europe, man. You know, I took my talent to Europe. Where did you play over there? I see your team names, but I'm not sure where these countries are. I played over in, uh, uh, in Italy, for Avellino, Italy, mm-hmm. in Avellino. And then I went over to Germany. I played in, uh, I played in Mexico. Mm-hmm. I played in Cyprus, in the Mediterranean. I played in Spain. Mm-hmm. You know, I played all over. Wherever, wherever basketball was calling, I was there. <laughs> The last year I have for you on your Wikipedia page is, uh, you know, 2011-2012 with the Idaho Stampede. Um, right. Uh, was that the last year you played professionally, or have you? are you still playing yes. now? No, I've, I've been done since 2012. The year of me, Antoine Walker, Mikey Moore, Marcus Bank. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the Antoine Walker on the Hi- Idaho Stampede. Right. Very cool. So what are you doing now? Uh, like, I know you say your son's playing basketball, but uh, – what else, what else is going on for you? So, as of right now, you know, I'm just, you know, I do a little things with the NBA right now, the Players Association under Purvis Short. You know, he uh, lets me come to the NBA 100 camps, talk to the kids. And I do a lot of motivational speaking here. And I live in Boise, Idaho now, so I do a lot of motivational speaking. I uh, own my own club team. I have 17. We're called uh, Idaho Force. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a good living, you know. So I just, I just, you know, coach basketball all day, man, you know, make sure my wife is taken care of and the kids taken care of. I've had a great career, you know, God has been good to me. 
Yeah, very cool. Definitely. It's always uh, nice to hear what the former Lakers are doing now. And it uh, sounds like you're really the enjoying most, everything you got going on. The most important the most important part for me was, you know, I was able to save my money. Oh, yeah. Gosh, I know. I was talking to, uh, who? do you know John Celestand? I don't. Oh, okay. He, he, was, he played on the Lakers like four or five years before you. Um, but yeah, I did an episode with him and that, w- that was his only year in the NBA it was one year with the Lakers and he was just talking and he played overseas for a long time and he was t- talking about the same thing. The most important thing he did was save his money. Right, right. Yeah. I had fun playing, man. It was fun. Do you still play, you know, for fun, play any pickup with rec leagues or anything? Oh, no. Oh, no. no I've had over 10 knee surgeries, man. It's all for me. Oh, so we <laughs> yeah. won't, see, I try we won't to, see you in the big three? I try to come. No, sir. Not at all. No, <laughs> big three. Oh, no. I'm... I'm I'll be I'll get embarrassed, man. I can't move anymore. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One last question for you that I like to do every time I get a chance to talk to a Laker. So I'm looking at the 2004-2005 roster for the Los Angeles Lakers. Everyone who played in at least one regular season game that year, including you, there are 16 names. How many of those can uh-huh. you name? I got Lamar Odom, mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant, uh, Brian Grant, Chucky Acton. George, Devin George, mm-hmm. Luke Walton, Luke Walton, Brian Cook, Vladi Divac, Sasha Vujicic, Slava Melodinko. No, not Slava. Uh, yeah, yes, Slava. Sla- uh, yeah, yeah, Slava was there. Right, Slava Melodinko, uh, Jermaine Jones, Kier Brown. There's 15 of us. Who am I missing? You've named 12, 13 including you. Okay, me. 13 included me. So who am I missing? Oh, I'm trying to find a picture. Oh, <laughs> that's cheating. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I said Lamar and Kobe. Yeah. You know, that's weird. I can, I'm missing, I'm missing three players though. Uh-huh. Who would they be? <laughs> All right. Well, actually you said, I'll reg- um, okay, Chris Mill. Yeah. So now there's just two left. Karan Butler. Yep. One more. He um he was only there for part of the year. He got traded pretty early. Jermaine Jones? Nope. You're you said him, but no, not that. He was there for the, he was there most of the year. So I got this is what I got. I got Chucky Atkins, Kobe Bryant, Sasa Bullchick, Jermaine Jones, myself, Kier Brown, Devin George, Luke Walton, Lamar Odom, Chris Mims, Vladi Vladi Divac, mm-hmm. Slava. Yep. Brian Cook, Brian Grant, Karan Butler. Yeah, there's one more. No, that's the team. No, there's one. The Are you ready to give up? Yeah. Kareem Rush. No, they traded Kareem for me. Oh, yeah, I just meant um, – oh, well, maybe that is true. But, uh, yeah, he was there pretty early. Maybe y'all were never there at the same time. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, we were in training camp together, and what happened was – they, the Lakers, the uh, the Lakers released me, but they kept me in L.A. They put me up in the hotel, and then a week later, they 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 traded Kareem Rush to the uh, Charlotte Bobcats, and they brought uh, me back. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. I just had I had y'all both on the roster. He only played 14 games that year, um, so I guess y'all right. were never there at the same time. All right. Well, that makes sense. Okay. Cool. Well, cool. man, I appreciate you, man. No, I appreciate I appreciate you coming on the Forgotten Lakers podcast. It was uh, really cool to get to hear your Lakers story, and I'm really glad to hear you're doing well and staying involved with basketball and 
uh, it's always nice to hear and uh, hear from former Lakers. Well, I appreciate you, man. Anytime you need me, you know my number. Yeah, definitely. Um, and if you, uh, if there's a chance you, you know, are still cool with the former Laker and you think they'd be interested in talking to me and getting an episode of their own, obviously I'm all ears. Um, I'll try to get anybody on. Okay. Well, I appreciate it, my brother. Hey, keep doing your thing with your podcast, man. This is big time. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. I'll, I'll send you the link once, once your episode is posted. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye.